welcome to Shooting the Shit. Um, it is Monday. We are here today to talk about increasing diversity in the workplace. We should have had a guest, but our guest, uh, Saj, who's a recruitment consultant, is, is poorly today. So we're going to get around to another session in September. But we thought we'd do this one anyway, because lots of people have responded. So first of all, introductions. Rish, what's your name and where do you come from? My name is Rish and I'm from Leicester and I'm living in the wildlands of South Yorkshire. The wildlands, wow. Um, <laughs> and if you are listening on podcast, what you won't realise is that Rish's jumper perfectly matches the shooting the ship branding. So well done you. <laughs> Always on brand. <laughs> Always on brand. There we go. Joe, what's your name? Where'd you come from? Um, I'm Joe. I am also originally from Leicester, but I now live in Surrey. So you went south and Rish went north? North, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that question, yeah. north? Yeah, yeah, yeah north. north. Is Yorkshire north of Leicester? <laughs> UK geography, obviously, on point. What was wrong with Leicester that you both had to immediately leave? It's one of those, isn't it? There's nothing wrong with Leicester, but I think, you know, people want to get out and explore. There's nothing wrong with that. You can always go back, right? I moved to yeah, a job. Yeah, absolutely. I got offered yeah, a job. Yeah. I had to move out. I had to move. So there you are. Oh, there we go. So it wasn't because of the, the cheese was shit. The cheese is amazing. Do not knock less <laughs> the cheese. I mean, of all even... things to knock. <laughs> Let's go there. <laughs> Says me from Lancashire, where our cheese is, I mean, it's called crumbly Lancashire cheese, but it literally just disintegrates in your hands. It's very okay. nice. Just very, very impractical cheese. Anyway, my yeah. name's Rachel. I'm from Grow Traffic. Uh, now living in Bake Up. Uh, which is in Lancashire. So, increasing diversity in the workplace. First question for both of you, each of you. How diverse are the workplaces that you've worked in before? How diverse is your yours, Rish, currently? But that I, I am diversity itself, <laughs> me, from my brown face. I mean, you know, that kind of says And your offer is? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I, I would, um, before we go into that, I, you know, it's, it's like, what do you determine is diversity? You know, it's like, it's, I think that's, that's a question first and then you can kind yeah. of bond based on that. Well, uh, very good question. So, uh, when, when I've been looking at the government website on, on sort of facts and figures about uh, diversity in the workplace and essentially, um, they break it up into sort of white men white women bame men bame women and and that's how they they the facts and figures are obviously that doesn't include um people with disabilities so we're literally just breaking it up by sex and gender so there's there's very few facts and figures on on disabilities and, and things like that obviously they're, they're available but they're not kind of putting the same articles or the same places on the website um uh, and there's also sort of very little around the people who are at the intersectionalities of those things. So it's very much, a, you know, you are a you're a, a, a woman or a man. You're a, you're white or you're black. And there's no kind of you're a, a, a black female lesbian with a one leg. You know, there's none of that kind of looking at the statistics in that level of detail. So you're right, it's a good question. You know, what counts as diversity? Because what counts as diversity to one person might not be diversity to somebody else, might they? exactly yeah so to answer the question now off the back of that then it's it's been it's actually been um you know it's it's changed a lot I mean some of the first workplaces I worked in like 
call center stuff um was heavily female white female basically um and then I went into the tech space which then is you know typically male dominated and that was but we had some females there as well um and you know and and it's not really changed much other than that um so was there anybody with with sort of disabilities was everybody able-bodied Everybody was able-bodied, um, you know, I, I can't speak for whether there were um, any kind of other hidden disabilities um, yeah. that weren't shared in the workplace, because that's, you know, that can happen, of course. Um, and I think, you know, realist, the, the biggest differences, I guess, really, um, have been around race. I think, you know, it's, I've not necessarily been in, you know, places where there've been many BAME faces uh, other than my mm. own. You know, that's that's the biggest thing for me, to be honest. What about you, Jo? Um, I'd say my employment has mainly been white, female, nearly throughout. I would say my current employer, um, I, I mean, publishing, by the way, um, and um, I would say my my latest employer is much, a much smaller um, mm. employer, but... The, there's definitely been an increase in diversity that I'm seeing across publishing and a a push for it but there's a, a long way to go but yeah when I look back at the early days of my publishing career very white <laughs> very white so it's interesting though as well isn't it because you know yeah I mean yeah we've all gone to uh, white or or ethnicity or whatever which is is how as I said at the beginning how, how most of the statistics are sort of categorized what what about um you know what about class I mean you're obviously in publishing I would imagine and it, it's most of the people that go into that are, are educated to a, a reasonably sort of level five level six which is a levels degree higher degree standard um whether were, were there any sort of working class people was it quite a middle class workspace um I suppose you could class you say it is very middle class um and yeah education level tends to um, entry level into publishing tends to require a degree mm -hmm. so there is that um, uh, I myself class myself as coming from a working class background uh, from Leicester as we said um, so yeah there is some diversity but yeah there was definitely if I think about when I first started in publishing about the all very nicely well-spoken white middle-class girls who'd had a very nice education thank you very much um, yeah it was very much a type do you think you were ever looked down upon because you did come from a working class background? Was there ever anything like that that sort of surfaced? I don't know. I definitely felt it, but that's the baggage I brought with it, I think. Mm. So, um, yeah, I definitely felt less lesser than and disadvantaged. But again, that could just be my own chip on my shoulder, I suppose. Yeah. You know, didn't speak proper. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting though isn't it because I mean where, where I live now right? so as I said before you know we're in Bake Up it's a very very white place is Bake Up there, there are a, a very small handful of people who have faces of different colours and I think I could count them on one hand that live in Bake Up it's, it's quite an insular isolated 
you know, by the by sort of place, just because of its location. It's in the middle of the moors, miles from anywhere. <laughs> nobody comes here, nobody leaves. Um, and, and so it's it's remained a really white community. And and I was down in London over the weekend, um, and I was born in Hackney and brought up there. My my dad's an immigrant, and, and where we lived in Hackney was such a diverse area. It was mostly people from either the Caribbean, um, a, a little bit from India. There was also a massive uh, Orthodox Jewish community. So it was a really, really sort of melting pot kind of place. And then we went to Leyland and then we, we, we're now in Bake Up. And so the upbringing that my child is having and the, the, the amount of diversity that he is exposed to is vastly different to the, the amount that I got as a, as a child. And I noticed that. He obviously won't. You don't notice what you don't have, do you? Um, so I do wonder as well, you know, when we talk about diversity in the workplace, We've got to remember as well, um, you know, the areas that we're living in, the the yeah, sectors sure. that we're talking about. You know, there's a, there's it's more than just oh, you haven't employed enough brown people, because there might not be that many there. Or, you know, we've got to look at go back a step and look at education. Yeah, yeah, because uh, you know, you you pick on a very good point there. Because actually, you know, we take take the piss from Leicester. It's the it's a absolute melting pot for all different cultures all different everything you know in Leicester so I think it's very for, for me especially I think it's it's kind of difficult for me to almost even think about it because the there was no obviousness about being at work you know because mm. that, you know the city lends itself to that kind of multi multiculture anyway and that kind of diversity that it's just it's all around so it's not you know, I'm not saying it's perfect by any stretch, you know, there's a huge amount of racism still, you know, in, in all sorts of areas for sure. But yeah, it's it's kind of, um, it, I've noticed it more now I'm not in Leicester than I am, you know, than, than when I was there. So, you know, where I moved, um, when I moved up, very middle class, very white, um, you know, and, but, you know, the next village along, very working class, but yet still very white um and it was you know pronounced you know even just going into not not even just to the workplace it was into into the pub or into the shop you know it's very clear but then you know when I moved up for work you know my that that employer at the time she was from Bradford so again it's very much about you know what your bringing your upbringing is and what your exposure yeah. is to to kind of lots of different um yeah cultures and yeah. yeah it's a good point isn't it it tends to be the places that have greater diversity in terms of the people that live there seem to you know people people get on a lot better there are less instances you know I'm not saying it's, it doesn't exist but there are fewer incidences of racism and stuff in the workplace because mm -hmm. they're you know it don't you You know it you understand they're just the people who live next door to you they're not the alien people who've moved in you know whereas mm -hmm. in the places that are still very very white you know that i mean the racism here in 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 bake up a, a chinese takeaway opened and three times they got bricks thrown at them and they were chased out of town essentially because you know bake, bake up wow. people like that yeah but it, you know that's that's it, it it is all about the sort of areas and the and the cultures and the people and stuff that live there will determine that um okay i'm gonna move us on i've got some facts and figures for you about diversity in the workplace 
So one in eight of the working population, working age population people in Britain, so one in eight people is from a BAME background, and yet they make up only 10% of the workforce in the UK and only 6% of, of management positions. So of the total number of management positions, only 6% are from a BAME background. Um, the employment rate for, ethnic, for ethnic minorities is only 66%, whereas if for white people, it's 78%. Um, and if you look at that's that's BAME taken as a whole, but if you break that down, when you look at um, sort of specific groups for, for Pakistani and Bangladeshi popula population, only 56% of them will be employed, whereas almost 80% of white workers will be employed. So there's a there's a massive gap in, in the number of people who could work and aren't. Um, all BAME groups are more likely to be overqualified than white ethnic groups, but white employees are more likely to be employed and then promoted than any other group. So when we were saying before about sort of access to education, we've got to take that into account. Typically, people from a BAME background will be better educated and yet the white person will get the job and they're more likely to be promoted and stuff. So that educational attainment is somehow not in the end benefiting people. Um, and then I've got two ones that are, I think most people know this, but um, there are there are more men with knighthoods leading British companies than there are women leading British companies. And I've got a great infographic that I'll share on the group later as well. Um, and of the FTSE 100 companies, chief executives and chairs there are 17 men called john which outnumbers all of the female bosses put together um and men called dave outnumber women by two to one so there's twice as many daves as there are women in FTSE 100 companies which is just absolutely bonkers isn't it i mean what, what do you think of those facts and figures well, um, I have to say, not, not a lot, not a lot surprised me actually. Um, if, if anything, I thought some of the earlier stats were going to be more dire. So mm. I don't know if I don't know. Maybe I, but there we are. That's good. Um, quite enjoyed the facts about the names. Good old Dave. Um, I mean, my dad's a Dave. Got nothing against Dave. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything shocking or surprising in there. Um, I was going to go off on one then. I just do it. It's, it's, it's the fact that the the statement about um, you know the the BAME, which also incidentally is is a a term that is being phased out as well. But we'll we'll cover that later. But you know, the fact that it's it can be stated that you know people are overqualified, but yet the whites, you know, I, I mean that's just fucking ridiculous. Like, to even be able to put it down and say actually we know we know these people are actually overeducated and more than capable of doing the jobs, but they're still not hired or they're still not employed mm -hmm. to do, or they're still not, um, you know, elevated to positions of power, I think. Is, is... Well, I mean, it comes back to the point that we were talking about, uh, was it last week, last time when we did the refugee chat, you know, mm -hmm. the people who come to a foreign country as a, as a, whether as an immigrant or an asylum seeker, it doesn't matter. Those are the people of means. They're going to be the middle-class people. They're going to be well-educated. Mm -hmm. They've got the money to buy the, airfares they've got the means to fill out the forms they're going to a, another country to seek a better life they're the sort of top echelons of the of the middle class of, of society so they come here and they are already qualified and they're coming to seek a better life and all the rest of it so those children of immigrants of which you know we are they mm. they have that drive to make a better life they come because they want their children to go to university to get a good education to get a good job to go into the professions so you know, of course, there is a higher 
prevalence amongst that group to to push their children and what have you and yet the statistics are showing they're not they're less likely to get the job than the person that already lives it even if they do get the job you know dave is more likely to get the promotion than than the person who's who's working harder so that there is a real disconnect there isn't there between the the, the groups and stuff yeah for sure <laughs> um you know ultimately it's it's it is down to, you know, I think um, we, we that's the royal we in the UK kind of look outwards and think, you know, look how racist everyone else is and look how terrible things are everywhere else. And actually, there's a huge amount of work still to do here. Um, and and, and we, we kind of still all need to, it, it's, it's looking for those, you know, representation isn't it you know there's there's people people in power and it's like oh I can do that too or they look like me um mm. so therefore I can achieve that as well so you know there's a huge amount for that still yeah uh, one scary fact that I did uh, didn't read out there but in so the figures up until when you said Joe you're expecting to be a little bit worse the figures up until 2019 so the end of 2019 everything was sort of getting better there was more there were more you know ethnicities people with disabilities different genders all the rest of it after the pandemic hit so the figures from 2020 there's always a year lag so they're not actually they've not been published yet for 2020 and 2021 but i was reading an article that was saying the initial information coming through seems as though we have taken a step backwards um, and i was thinking about why why would we go backwards when there's been all of these you know the government had a massive initiative to get more female ceos and stuff into positions of power but it's back to what, again, we were saying in the refugee one, if you look at this from an employer's point of view and mm. you've got to employ somebody and you're, you're already being hit by COVID, you know, maybe you're in the hospitality sector and your business was shut, you had to furlough staff, you had to take out a loan, you deferred your VAT payments, now all of a sudden you've got to start paying those back. Businesses have been massively squeezed from all sides at the minute, cost of living crisis, fuel, everything. If you then say, you know, employing people with disabilities from from different cultures, backgrounds, religions, different genders, potentially, you there are practical costs that come along with that. You know, you might have to put a new toilet in if you employ a woman. You might have to put ramps in if you employ somebody in a wheelchair. You know, you might have to put a prayer room in if you employ a Muslim. You know, there's there's all sorts of different costs practically. And if you are a struggling business owner, it really might just be more practical to go, actually, I'm just going to employ Dave because mm. my, my company's set up for Dave and I know what to do with Dave. So, mm. you know, it, it, the, it's it's that we're back to that point of it's all very well saying we need to do better. Do we need the government to step in and, and take action? How do we tackle it? Well, the, the, the point of... Sorry. The point that often gets lost is that by having a more inclusive workspace, the workforce benefits overall because you bring in those people who, um, you know, th those stats show are actually overeducated or over qualified, you know. So, yeah, your your one two person setup that it costs, you know, and maybe not in that position as yet then there are plenty of larger companies that are in that position to make a more inclusive workspace um, from the, from the get-go. And those, I think there is a responsibility on larger workplaces to, to look at that and come mm -hmm. from it of a point of view of definitely not a checkbox. It, um, 
you know, let's, oh, yeah, I've got to tick my diversity quota, which I think can go on. But instead, mm-hmm. look at it. What What's the company going to benefit from this? They're going to benefit hugely from a variety of experiences and, um, you know, education and, and background. So it, it needs to be a mindset to think about this isn't just about, oh, you know, as, as white people have got to be better at, you know, as mm-hmm. white able people have got to be better at being more inclusive. It's like, actually, put your business head on. You can get a better business by having a more inclusive and diverse work workforce. Oh, Joe, absolutely brilliant. Because what you have nicely done there is led me into our next bit, which is what are the benefits of increased diversity in the workplace? Well done, you. It's almost like we plan this shit, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Right. So tell me then what, you know, you've already said a business, your business is going to get better. But tell me some of the ways you think a, a business would improve if it had a more diverse and, and all of, I've got eight things, eight ways a business could improve. Um, I'll give you the first one. The first one was increased productivity. So they're all like increased or improved or whatever. So what ways do you think businesses have been proven to get better when they increase the diversity of their workforce? I don't I, I can't even like when you you know when you ask questions my mind literally goes, yeah. blank. goes especially blank. when I know you've got an answer like it's not just an open-ended what oh. you think it's like I've got an answer from the government see this is this is what happens when you get overachieving women we're like well, there is the right answer I must get the right answer <laughs> We're a a bunch of SWATs, aren't we? Well, go on, just tell me roughly then and I'll fit it into one of my boxes. I think that I I genuinely struggle with it because it's like, because my face is brown. I know that's Mm. a ridiculous thing to say, but I genuinely just kind of, I I roll with it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's part of me and therefore my culture is part of me and I bring it to a business. So why the fuck wouldn't you want me there? Do you know what I mean? I I, I just can't, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's so naive but it is, that's how it is do you know what I mean it's like you know well I'm, what you've actually you've given me one of the answers so one of the answers there is increased creativity so it, again <laughs> it's been proven because because you've got people from diverse cultures and diverse backgrounds with diverse life experiences so they will bring different ideas you know if you've just got a room full of Daves you've all got the same lived day and this this podcast should be titled like hashtag hate on Dave shouldn't it but you know if you've just got a room full of Daves that they've all had a very similar life experience, cultures, everything. So your ideas are always going to be always the same. Your solutions to problems are always going to be the same. Whereas if you increase the, the the life experiences of the people around the table, you're going to get different ideas. Someone's going to go, why haven't we thought about this? You know, let's just try this or, you know, where we come from, we do this. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, any kind of diver, that's what I was saying, any kind of um mixing it up from people's you know experiences and backgrounds will surely lead to all of those things increase productivity increase creativity and I've definitely been there in that room with uh, I don't know what's the equivalent of the female Dave I don't want to say um but, but you know you know all got very shared interests and very similar outlooks and I remember when we started to you know they did st- seem started to be more diversity and suddenly you were like blinkers came off and you're like Oh God, that's, you know, we've been really staring this in the face and completely missed, you know, this cultural appropriation or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, of course it, it, um, can bring creativity. It can also avoid making those absolute blunders. Um, yeah. 
You're right. So, so improved cultural insights. That was one of my points. Well done. <laughs> See, you, you do know this shit, girl. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, in, you know, in, absolutely improved culture, cultural insights. Also better reputation because mm. you, you will be able to manage things like that before they happen. So somebody will go, actually, guys, that's massively racist, what you're about to say there, before you've done it. So, you mm. know, and, and also then you, you are shown to be a, a more inclusive, diverse company. So that improves your reputation which again improves turnover and profit and all the rest of it. Um, and the other one that we've we've not mentioned yet is, is employee engagement. So again, there was a, a study done, I think by Harvard, which said that when you've got an improved and more diverse sort of range of people in the workforce, you create a better environment where people want to learn from each other. They want mm -hmm. to contribute more. You know, somebody's bringing in cakes because it's Hanukkah or something and everyone will go yeah. oh why do we do that so they learn about Hanukkah and then everybody shares their their culture and learns and and the company sort of grows and the the um, the culture develops from there so you know all of these things that you don't think about you just think like oh god I've got to put an extra toilet in but actually you're right Joe it's about looking at that bottom line isn't it and saying well what ways are we going to benefit what 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 might you do if we've got a woman on the board doesn't it all it also comes a lot from you know it, it is about workplace mentality i.e i mean even as basic as someone having a different view or a different perspective even if you have got 10 days in a room one you know one dave might have might have something else to say but is his he afraid to say it or not you know it depends on the culture of the business and and how open it is to to just you know embracing new ideas new new thoughts just new everything you know and, and yeah. bringing the conversation because you know there might be some other ideas and other you know thoughts coming through but people are stand up uh, uh, afraid to stand up and say something about it and you know and, and I do really good point actually yeah yeah homogenous a homogenous workplace you go into that and you want to then conform to it don't you whereas if you've got a workplace full of all sorts of different people you can be yourself and go well, actually I think that's a stupid idea yeah, for sure. And I, I do think there's a lot to be said for, for sector, you know, and, you know, by default, you know, I'm in, in the tech kind of space and I, you know, associate with tech people and actually there actually is a lot of diversity in there, you know, okay, not always, you know, female, male, but, you know, lots of different cultures, lots of different backgrounds, people, you know, from all sorts of, you know, all, all around the world, all kind of, you know, can work, you know, together in that tech space. Mm. Um, and it's always been a positive, you know, off the back of it, to be honest, um, you know, so there's a lot to be said for what sector you're in as well. I'm sure it's mm. not much the case for publishing for example you know so it's yeah there's there's a lot there i think also as well there's there's this thing of i mean it, it, uh, you know there's been a comment we said none of these figures include sort of disabilities and stuff and and there's a comment there that says that d the, the the disability demographic also gets forgotten in this and again you know a lot of that will depend on sectors you know if you are working mm -hmm. in the shard for example in london and you're in a wheelchair that's a really difficult building to get to and you know navigating the tube and all the rest of it whereas you know tech absolutely you can work from home you can do it from your own laptop so there might be more people with uh, you know visible or invisible disabilities who were able to work from home and and as the sort of work from home um, you know, wave hopefully continues after the pandemic, you know, maybe we will see increased diversity in the workplace because people just can do more from their own places where it's it's convenient. Mm, yeah, for sure.
Sure. Okay, so we've led on to what can workplaces done uh, do Sorry, to increase diversity. So we have already, there's a comment there that says that the diversity in the workplace should be driven by the diversity itself, not management. And, and that, I think that's a really good point. You have to sort of start from the bottom up, don't you? But there are things that you can do if you are a business owner or you're in management or even just as an employee to try and encourage your business to, um, to, to, to be more diverse, to, to get more different people in there so any ideas what any of these ones are we've got five points oh okay <laughs> well um the way that you recruit is really important so yeah. you could for example I know some places are um introducing sort of um recruitment processes where you don't have any names or personal details on the the cv or the application so it just allows for the qualifications and maybe a personal statement maybe to speak for themselves to take off any kind of um, unconscious biases that the people mm -hmm. that are recruiting might have i think that's a good step in the right direction um, you could also there was some specialist recruitment agencies I know for in publishing there's something called creative access which is um, designed to be a recruitment agency to help those from underrepresented um, um, places to to have a way in and I know that's something that uh, both publishers I've worked with have used um, use creative access uh, so there's a couple of ways I think also things like um, uh, mentorship, mentorships or um, internships as well that have targeted um, certain demographics to to get people in. So they're mm. just some of the ways that I know is is very active within publishing in particular. Mm. Um, I think I think that that one. I think the BBC in particular has a really good paid internship because again you, you've got to think with internships. You know, if they're not paid, you mm -hmm. are immediately excluding most people from the working class because they just can't can't afford to do six months of an unpaid internship. So yeah. they've got to be paid. But absolutely, it's looking at those different routes of you know how how do we. It, it, it find different kind of candidates mm. for jobs rather than just going to Indeed and, and getting five, yeah. five, you know, white males. What else can we do? Where else can we go? And it might be going to universities, colleges. Most councils actually will mm. have um, uh, some sort of council employability scheme where they, they put employers in touch with the job centre and the and the local colleges and apprenticeships and all the rest of it. So, you know, there are there are so many places out there where you can, you know don't just go for the easiest option in terms of recruitment look a bit deeper so yeah absolutely recruitment is one go on, sorry, and another and another thing that started to happen in the publishing industry because it's very london centric is that certain publishers have started to open out open up branches outside of london so further yeah. north um so that you know like me you don't have to move from leicester <laughs> mm -hmm. and um and and you know suddenly get uh, a very poor salary um, and a very expensive rent, um, yeah. for example. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely moves of that as well. And I think and that was another thing behind. Yeah, that was that was the thing behind the BBC's move to Media City in Salford, wasn't it? That they wanted to offer people outside of London a, a means of getting into. Um, you know, broadcasting and stuff so that was and I also point out that internships really should be paid now there should be there's a minimum um that most internships that if it's a good company will adhere to so if you're watching we're watching listening to this be mindful of that um you might might be going for an industry that specifically has that culture of unpaid work but they you know really those days should should be gone yes absolutely yeah yeah absolutely um so yeah good better recruitment what about promoting as well 
you know, promoting people more in a more um, open and honest way rather than lining people up, allowing people to prove, you know, if you've got, because there's a, there's a, a, a uh, thing that the, the the meme that I shared before in the group was about how there's diversity on the lower tiers, but then mm. you get further up and the diversity gets less and less till you get to the, the the white men at the top. So you know it's all about it's all very well getting a, a diverse range of employees in on the bottom bottom level, but how are you going to make sure they are given the opportunities to prove themselves so that they can move up? So that's about putting those same practices in place with promotion as well as recruitment, isn't it? And also making sure that whoever it is who's who's you know it, it's you know you're not you're not doing that box ticking. Oh, I've got my quota in tick. You've got to retain um, and inspire and motivate as well. You can't just go oh well that's it job done. And I think that's yeah. a part of it as well. And recognizing that perhaps someone who's walking into an all white, wh whether it's gendered um, all white male or female environment, and they're the, are the only different face that perhaps is more difficult for them mm -hmm. to, to to flourish so I think there needs to be um awareness around that um yeah absolutely well so point point number one was well in fact the, the three points you've kind of covered in one there so number one was educate your existing staff and managers mm -hmm. around the need for diversity so that they understand what what needs to be done and why it needs to be done and are on board with it because otherwise you can have the best policies in the world coming down from the top but if you get into middle management and they're not implementing it pointless isn't it so it's mm -hmm. making sure every layer of your of your business structure understands what you need to do and why you're doing it or on, or on board with it then create inclusive policies so uh, what we said before joe sometimes you know if you if you're just a, an all-male all-white company you don't even realize that your policies are discriminating against certain groups of people in some ways until you get those people on and they go actually you know your policy that we're not allowed to leave work at half past three means i can't collect my children so you know can we can we change that so it's about being flexible on that and we have talked about hr policies in the past and the need to make them inclusive for everybody um, and then number three ensure your communication is inclusive as well again it's all very well having policies but if that isn't then being communicated down if you're communicating with your staff in a way that is sexist homophobic you know racist whatever those people then are not going to stay so around that education and implementation piece it's make sure when you are communicating that that is inclusive the language you're using is inclusive you're not excluding anybody just by the way you've put a sign on the door saying male toilets and female toilets you know you're, you're making sure you all communications throughout your business have, have thought about and that that's going to ensure you've got that you know you're, you're retaining as well as much as employing isn't it i think as well i think on on that point it's like you know it's it when you when you kind of put it into you know 30 minutes of chat it's it seems like a lot right there's, there's a, a lot to to think about a lot to do a lot to kind of really consider and you know i think the biggest thing you know my takeaway before you even ask <laughs> is actually you know that it's it doesn't have to be perfect does it do you know what i mean like it's it's more just like it's being open to you know conversation criticism you know praise and, and not so much you know that it's okay you might have male and female on the toilets because that's the way it's always been you know but you know learn from it it's you know rather than just being immediately kind of you know offended by something or you know some feedback mm -hmm. or something on those lines it's like you know, taking it on board, thinking about it and responding accordingly, you know, and, and actually learning and, and trying to to do a little bit better. You know, yeah. I, I hate 
hate the term educate yourself because I think I think that's bullshit because you have whilst there is an element of that everyone around you has a point in that you know you you, you educate yourself by learning from other people as well right yeah um, I think it's not it's not perfect you know but at least an attempt um you know is is kind of halfway there right and we're back to that point that we said at the beginning you know you you might genuinely have not considered that that you, you might have to have a prayer room in your building if you employ a Muslim, simply because there's never been a Muslim there. So it's not somebody being purposefully, you know, discriminatory or, or racist or anything. It's just that that's not the environment that they've grown up in, that they, that's not their lived experience. So from the point of view of being the person that wants to make change, you know, don't just get cross with people and say, you haven't done this. You say, right, you know, I, I accept that this hasn't been necessary, but, but now that I'm here, I would like this. Is that okay? Can we change that? And then from the employer's point of view, saying, I understand that that's important to you. And yes, you know, we've not done it that way because we've never needed to in the past, but we'll make the change now. So it's both sides have got to come at this yeah, from yeah. a conciliatory point of view. And you're right, Rish, it's about educating each other and learning from each other rather than everybody getting cross and, and yeah. then, you know, yeah. people dig their heels in and action doesn't change, does it? Yeah, exactly. Okay. There we go. Right. So, well, you, Reese, we've had your final thought. So, Joe, what's your final thought, please? Um, it, it's sort of similar to, to Reese, really. It's like it doesn't have to be perfect. You just make make it try and make a difference, you know, and and be part of the solution. So, um, you know, and avoid the tick box nature of going. Oh, I've done that. I know I've said that about three times, but I just I just I see it, I feel it, and it is recognizing that there can, there's huge benefit from having a more diverse and inclusive workspace yeah really absolutely I mean this is it isn't it that this is my takeaway thought is think of the benefits think of the benefits of having all of these different people I mean grow traffic for example was just me Hannah and Dali and, and Alicia for quite a few years and and just in the recent few years we've started employing different people different ages different backgrounds different genders and you know every single person has made a massive change to our business and we've thought of things we've done things that before we just hadn't thought of just never entered our heads that we needed to think about such and such a thing um and and, and we've done it so it, it's massively massively beneficial in ways that you at this point can't even understand so in, you know employ the women employ the black lesbian women do it i'm just in it for the food that yeah. i love all different cultures of food and that if you get me in a conversation about food with anybody and we're you know <laughs> get all yeah. sorts of exciting things you know being brought yeah. up Ooh. Yeah, especially the sweets, the sweets and the puddings. That's where when I spoke to the NHS, we used to have all sorts of sweet puddings brought in. Most of those, like Jewish puddings and things. Oh, amazing. Yeah, there we go. Do it for the pudding, if nothing else. Right. That's it. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Oh, no, we won't be back in two weeks' time because we're all off on holiday. We'll be back in September. Uh, August. Jesus Christ. We're going now. Wave, girls. <laughs>